I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a million every week. I wanna be a billionaire. I ain't getting no sleep till I see a billy every week. I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire. I wanna be a billionaire. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now today, I got a special guest on my show, ladies and gentlemen. You're in for a treat. This man is a director, a writer, and an editor. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Ray. How you doing, how you man? doing, King? Good, man. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. Blessings, man. But thank you for coming through. I know we've been talking, we've been in talks to try to schedule this, but we finally made it happen. Finally, and, uh, finally. I'm glad you came here today, brother. You, you know, man. there's gonna be an interesting conversation because you know I'm in the director, writer, editor, film um, industry myself. So you know, I feel like we can learn a lot from each other as yes, well sir. as possibly collab in the near future. Absolutely. You know, so. Uh, you know, basically, again, this show is about getting insider information for those looking to be in your position. You know, especially being in California, there's a lot of inspiring filmmakers, writers, producers, all types of stuff. Right. You know, so I basically want you to drop some jewels on them through your <laughs> timeline and what kept you going, what helped you get to the success that you've achieved. So let's start from the beginning, brother. Where are you from? I'm from the Bronx. We'll ah, talk about that off camera. BX all day. So <laughs> we're in the Bronx. Uh, Baychester Avenue. Okay. Yeah, okay. so born raised in the Bronx. Um, I'm the youngest of three boys. I have okay. two older brothers. Okay. Uh, my parents are Jamaican immigrants. Are your brothers in the film industry as no, well? No, no, not at all. No one is in the industry. It's uh, just you. Yeah, exactly. Both my dad did Con Edison. Oh, oh my both. God, Con Edison. Yeah. You know how they cut my lights off? <laughs> <laughs> Don't blame me. <laughs> so yeah, he did that. Both my older brothers did that. Right, because they didn't finish college, so they ended up doing that. Mm -hmm. My mom and my dad did real estate. Okay. Made a lot of money doing that. Mm. We moved out of the Bronx to uh, Westchester. Okay. Oh, big money. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we were out there by Westchester, Mount Vernon, where Denzel's from. Okay. Money earning Mount Vernon, as they call yeah, it. Yeah, money earning Scarsdale, which is like one of the richest areas in yeah. America. Mm -hmm. And so we took a big leap from not having nothing to having a lot. Right. But the problem was, you know, being one of the few black families out there, mm -hmm. you know, it was a struggle to fit in. So as, uh, a, as a kid, I had to escape their entertainment. And so I watched a lot of movies, a lot of TV. And, was um, that difficult for you, like the whole trying to fit in? Like, what was that like? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, is, was it like racist out there? You a little bit, a little bit. I definitely mm. experienced some of that. Um, mm. You know, and so I kind of had to, you know, realize, okay, I'm never going to be the popular kid at school. I'm never mm. going to get all the girls. You know, um, I wasn't the most athletic, even though I tried because I love sports and mm. very competitive in that way. Mm. So I watched a lot of movies, I watched a lot of TV, and I'd probably say the two movies that defined my childhood the most were Terminator 2 Judgment Day mm. and Goldeneye, which was Pierce Brosnan's yeah, first yeah, James Bond movie. Mm -hmm. And I remember the N64 game with the yeah, multiplayer. When yep. you said it, I thought about the game. Yes, that, that, that game was iconic. So me and my childhood best friend Kevin would play that game all the time. We'd have friends over, my brothers would play. Mm. And that was kind of like my entry into that world. And my father was a big movie buff. He actually okay. named my older brother Omar after his favorite actor, Omar Sharif. Mm. And so my dad loved movies, particularly James Bond movies and anything with Denzel. Right, right, right. And so, of course. Of course. Yeah, so we would always go to the movies together, and that's kind of where my passion for movies uh, my, grew. My mom didn't really have it. She would actually fall asleep a lot yeah. <laughs> watching movies. But, you know, my dad would take yeah, it. Yeah, wake me up when we in escrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, she did like Robin Williams movies, though. Oh, of yeah, course. Rest in peace, Robin Williams. Rest in peace, Rob. Yeah. So, but she was more of a comedy guy, but me and dad liked action and stuff. Mm. So. We'd watch those types of movies, and that's kind of when it developed. But it didn't really become like a, a passion 
until my senior year of high school. Mm. Um, when I had this professor, I'll never forget his name, uh, Mr. John D. Palermo. Okay. He was my media professor. Mm. And we had to direct the music video. Right. And so me and my partner, I think his name is Jermaine. You think his name is Jermaine? Yeah, I can't remember. It's so long ago. <laughs> one of these guys. Yeah, yeah. And so we, uh, we chose a Dave Matthews Band song called Every Day, mm. where this homeless guy goes around LA trying to get people to hug him. Uh -huh. And so uh, I would operate camera, and uh, Jermaine would go around the school trying to get girls to give him a hug. And the girls would like say, get away, whatever, whatever. And so we edited it. Was that staged or were the girls really like, no, bro, I'm wrong. No, it was real. It was real. They didn't even know what was happening. <laughs> I ain't touching you. Yeah, we wanted real reactions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but know? he ain't getting no love. No, well, no, he got one. He got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got one. Yeah, so when we yeah. showed it to the class and everyone was laughing at all the right moments and cheering at all the right moments, all of a sudden, you know, this, this kid who couldn't fit in, couldn't play sports, I suddenly knew what I was good at. Mm. And everyone was entertained by what I did. And I'll never forget that feeling that I had. And that's the moment I realized I got to be a filmmaker. Mm. I got to be a director. Yeah. But you would think in that part of the story, okay, he goes to film school and NYU or something like that. And the rest is history. For whatever reason, I don't know if I just didn't have the confidence, but I just, speaking of going into music, um, Di Palermo had this producer who would work with Big Pun and Diddy and all these people come and speak to us. Mm. And my best friend at the time, Renee, we loved hip hop. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to be the next Timberland. I'm going to be the next Swiss Beats. Yeah. And we decided to intern with him over the summer. And then mm. I fell in love with making beats, making mm. music. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be a hip hop producer. And so I went to a, a college called Mercy College. Mm. And it's a major in music production, which right. I specialized in. And about a year of that, I realized this is my passion. This mm. isn't what I love. And so I dropped out of that. I stayed in school, but I switched to business marketing, but that wasn't my passion either. And I was just like racking my brain, like, what makes me happy? What mm. do I want to do? And at the time, I was dating this girl, and my life was just built around her. So I was just like, and I even told her this, you know, when we were going back and forth, like, we could just, I could be a garbage man. As long as I have you, I'm happy. Right. You know? And then, lo and behold, we break up. <laughs> you know? And so here I am stuck wondering, okay, my life was built around this person. She's not here anymore. What do I do? But what do I love? How were you at this point? Uh, 21. Okay. I was 21. Just became a man. It's getting legal. Exactly. <laughs> 2005, 21. I was like maybe halfway through college, two years away from graduating, didn't know what I was going to do in my life. And I said, well, what do I love? I love making movies. And so it started off like at that point, we had so much college loan debt. Mm. I couldn't tell my parents now I want to go to film school. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, well, what's the other way? Mm. And so um, Ben Affleck had just did Gone Baby Gone. Okay. And I was like, okay, I'll just become a famous actor and then become a director. <laughs> like, it's that easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's not. But that was my, my idea. So I went online, how do you get an agent? Mm. Somehow found out about this competition in Florida called um, Talent Rock. Okay. And it was run by Lou Perlman. You know who Lou Perlman is? No. You know who he was? Okay, so Maybe he was... I see him, I'm better with faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was this big, fat, old, white guy. He put together the Backstreet Boys and Insane. Okay. Yeah, and so he ran an airline company called Transcontinental Airlines, mm. and he uh, new kids on the block. I think it was rented his plane. He was like, "How they, how can they afford my plane? That's for billionaires." Yeah, yeah. And he looked into how much money these boy bands were making, mm. and he's like, "I got to put my own group together." So right. together, Backstreet, put together NSYNC, O Town, all these different groups made all this kind of money, but wow. wasn't paying them. They had to sue him, you know. Wow. So anyway, so he put together Talent Rock, which was for actors, models, singing, whatever you want to do. Um, I actually met him, shook his hand, mm -hmm. um, and so I auditioned, and I got a $10,000 scholarship to an acting school in New York. Congrats. Thank you. So so I went out there, it was a two-year conservatory, and obviously my in the back of my head, I'm like, I'm not ready to be acting, I'm a 
direct. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really take it as serious. I was partying, having a good time, renting cameras. I shot a little short film while I was there. Yeah. And I was just trying to get comfortable with the camera. I was not comfortable in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think I have talent as an actor, but I just don't like the way I, I looked on camera. And I just, you know, I'm kind of a control freak. So I like to tell other people what to do instead yeah. of having someone tell me what to do. Yeah. And so I would um, clash a lot with the teachers. And I got to a big clash with a teacher to where I was like, I don't want you to teach me. Her husband was also a teacher at that school. Mm. I said, I want your husband to teach me next semester. Because mm. at the end of the first semester, you can pick, do you want to stay in your group or do you want to switch? So I yeah. switched. And so I did there one year and then I left. And uh, Do you remember Hot Topic, the clothing store? Yep. Where all the heavy metal people. Yeah, so it's I used still, to work. Still there. Yeah, yeah, still yeah. Alive, yeah. Yeah. So I used. I was like the one black guy there. <laughs> um, I had no tattoos at the time. I have one now. Yeah. And so... Um, uh, every Thursday, bands, unsigned bands would come through. And I was like, yo, can I do a music video for you guys or something? 100 bucks or free, whatever. And so I did that for a year. Mm -hmm. I put it on MySpace, which tells you how long ago this is. And then this company in Miami called BMAC Films discovers me. They're like, yo, you're really talented, man. You should come down here if you're ever in Florida and we'd love to work with you. You know, they're working with T-Pain. They're working with Flo Rida, mm. like big name artists, yeah. and some other artists too. And just so and behold, my parents were selling the Bronx house purchasing a home in Florida. Mm. I didn't want to move with them at first because mm. I'm like, New York is where the industry is at. Right, right, right. I'm going to do a Florida. Right, yeah. And then the BMAC opportunity comes apart. So I was like, guys, like literally the day before, I'm moving down with you. Mm. And crazily enough, their house was like 20 minutes away from the studio. Wow. How crazy is that? So, it's God, man. Exactly, yeah. man. It's, it's God working in mysterious ways. And so there's a plan for me. And so I moved down there and I worked with them for a couple months. And then um, I was dating this girl who's like, I miss you. I want to see you for Valentine's. So I come back to New York to see her for February and Valentine's. And then I get a call from um, Eddie Forbes, was the guy at the time. He said, BMAC, uh, we're, going, we're going bankrupt. You made some bad investments. Ah. We're disbanding the company. Damn. So this is February of 2011. Mm. Right? I'm in my brother's uh, side room in Harlem. Yeah. On a fold-out bed with no... Future, no nothing, no right. plan, no money. I'm just, that was like my most rock bottom moment, mm. really, of my life. Yeah. You know, in this big empty room, I had nothing. Mm. I didn't know w what the next step was. And so I had to really look at myself in the mirror and go, how bad do I really want this? Right. Am I going to quit? No. Or am I going to keep going? You better keep going. Gotta keep going. Mm -hmm. So what I did was, you know, the path wasn't clear, but that's how you got to trust in God. Right? right. So I just started getting regular jobs and then I found, I started working in Central Park. Mm. Selling bikes, renting bikes to okay. tourists. Mm. Met these Croatian girls. And they're like, you got to come out drinking with us. And I'm not a big drinker, so I'd always say no. But then one day I was like, you know what? Let me just go and have some drink with them. And I told them what I do. And they're like, yo, we know a guy who's in the business. Uh, some guy named Matthew Schroeder. He's like a DP. He's working in commercials. And I was like, commercials? That's what I want to do. Yeah. You know, I just finished reading this book by Thomas Richter, who's a TV commercial director called mm. The 30 Second Storytelling. Because yeah. the commercial is basically a 30 second story. Mm. And I was like, I got to get into commercials. All my favorite directors, Ridley Scott, Tony Scott, Michael Bay, David Fincher, Joseph Kahn, Joe Kaczynski, you know, um, all these guys started off in TV commercials. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I wanted to be, I wanted to have a career like them to where I, I'm known in commercials, I'm known in music videos, and then I pop in Hollywood. That mm. was the plan. Right. And so I met with Matt and he was a really cool guy. Mm. And he got me an opportunity with this lady called Jocelyn Schwartz. She's mm. not in the business anymore. Mm. Um, she got married, moved to Ohio or something. But she was working with Radical Media. Mm. And they do big commercials. And so she got me a PA job. Yeah. Working on... My first job was for Hyundai. Okay. A car commercial that ended up airing on Monday Night Football. 
Mm. Right, but it was the craziest shoot I've ever been a part. Of. First of all, huge crew, right? Two hundred people. I felt like I was shooting the Transformers. It'd be like that. Yeah. yeah, and it was in the middle of a snowstorm, mm -hmm. so everyone was freezing cold. There were heaters everywhere. We had to make sure the heaters had batteries. Mm -hmm. My job was to put batteries in the walkie-talkies. They were freezing up, mm -hmm. so everyone was freezing. It was snowing cold. We had a helicopter that was like our A camera. Yeah. We had the Porsche can uh, camera. Miko was our B camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big famous German director. I was bugging him with questions. You know, mm -hmm. you know me, just always picking people's brains. And um, trying to get where he's at. And it was a crazy all-night shoot, all-night experience. Got home yeah. at like 7 in the morning. I made like maybe eight, 800 bucks. Okay. And it was like the best night of my life. I was like, this is where I want to be. This is what I want to do. Right. You know? And um, But she was my one contact there, and she ended up leaving the business. Yeah. And so that was my only um, opportunity with them. Mm. And so back to square one again. Mm. And so I got, I started directing these music videos, continued to do that. My mom, of all people, called me up. They're down in Florida, and she's like, we met this reggae artist at a wedding, and she needs a video. Yeah. So I flew down to direct the video for her. Mm. And she was like, I was just telling her what I want to do, and I was like, I want to be a filmmaker. you know. Um, and she was like, I'm going to put you on the phone with somebody. Okay. So when she first came to America from Jamaica, yeah. she moved to Philly, mm. and she somehow was living in a house with Will Smith and his cousin, a guy named Kenny Snyder. Wow. Yes. Okay. And so Kenny Snyder was, at that point, this was like, I think, 2012. Uh, he was one of the writers of Universal Pictures. Okay. And so she put me on the phone with him. And I showed him my music video reel. He was like, Mike, that's cool and all, but um, I want to see you make a film. Mm. And we could shop it around Hollywood. Maybe I could do something for you. Mm. Now, the big mistake I, I did was I never got his phone number. Oh, I just had, she just put me on the phone with him, but she never gave me his phone number. Right. So we ended up losing contact with her. She went overseas somewhere, like for the. She uh, went to perform for De Beers Diamond Company. Okay. And they licensed her, so she's just doing boat tours and yacht tours, and she never came back to the States. Uh -huh. So we lost contact with her. Mm -hmm. And so I couldn't get Kenny's actual number. But anyway, the important thing is it inspired me to make my movie, mm -hmm. my first feature film. So I went back to New York right. in May of 2012, my 28th birthday. Mm -hmm. And I started working at this steakhouse. I met this girl named Maggie. She was like, I can help you put this project together. She taught me how to write a screenplay. I just wrote scene one, paragraph, scene two, paragraph, yeah, thinking that's a script. That's not a script. She was like, Mike, we can't show this to actors. This is terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she gave me final draft. I put it on my computer. Mm -hmm. I learned how to write an actual professional screenplay. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I did that. We got the actors. She helped me put the project together. She helped me get a bunch of locations. And we shot the, a feature film in eight days. Wow. Yeah. I found the DP online. Um, he couldn't shoot the, the first day because he was also a soldier. He was deployed. Mm -hmm. And so I had my camera rental place where I always rented cameras. They, the, everybody that works as a DP anyway. So he shot my first day. Yeah. And then once the, the uh, actual DP came back from military, he shot the rest of the film. Mm. And so we shot the film in eight days. And I had to make the schedule myself. I financed the film myself. Speaking of financing, yeah, $5,000 yeah, yeah. offered okay. me. And I had to make the shoot schedule myself. People couldn't weren't being paid enough to quit their day job, so I had to schedule people's shoot days around their schedule. work. It was crazy. Mm -hmm. And you know, I remember one really cold, windy day in mm -hmm. September, October. I'm out there doing my shot list at the location. Yeah. And people are looking at me like I'm crazy because this was like Manhattan business people on their lunch break. Mm -hmm. And just I had this feeling inside like one day this this these types of sacrifices are all going to be worth it. Right. You know what I mean? And so we shot the film. And the following May, we um, kind of had like a little screening yeah. at, a, at a movie theater at a film school that mm -hmm. a friend of mine had. And we invited, my mom invited this lady who my godmother knows or something, mm -hmm. who worked in PR. Yeah. And she was like, Mike, I saw the film, you're really talented, what are you doing next? I was mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so she was like, well, let me give you some advice. Low budget horror films are the next way to go. Mm -hmm. That's how, you know, that's, that's the best way to 
make your next film. And so I was watching this thing on TV about abortion and what the effects are to women after they get an abortion. Right. And so I was like, okay, so I wrote this script called The Unwanted. Mm. And that script uh, garnered a lot of attention from investors and different people. And so I put the cast together. I, I, we were going to film it in Florida because of the tax breaks. And so I went down there, um, stayed with my parents, and I did all the location scouting. Uh, I found, I went on IMDb and I found uh, phone numbers of all these different actors, contacted their agents. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you know who Andy McDowell is, very famous actor. Sounds familiar. Yeah, and so uh, she was going to be in it. She was going to play the mother of the main girl, mm -hmm. who was her daughter in real life anyway, right. who's now a singer. Now it's actually her younger daughter, who mm -hmm. I didn't even know they had a second daughter. She's popping off now. She was just in a Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. She just did a movie with Russell Crowe. So the younger sister's actually popping off. The older sister, who I was going to put in the film, she's actually a singer now. Really mm -hmm. good, too. And so they were going to be in the film. Eric Roberts was Julia Roberts' brother. He yeah, was the man. villain mm -hmm. in um, The Dark Knight and mm -hmm. The First Expendables. He was going to be her therapist. Yeah, I remember him from uh, Best of the Best. Yes. Remember that? Yes, yeah, yes. Throwback. Yeah, he's an Oscar-nominated actor. Mm -hmm. His agent, Peter, very cool guy. Um, you know, we were going to put him in the film. I'm like, man, this is crazy. This is really coming together. Yeah. And then I had a produce. So I was with, at that point, I got the production company in New York called the Black and Latino Film Coalition, BMC. Mm -hmm. And they're all about getting more diversity in front of the camera and behind the camera. Mm -hmm. And so they, my producer there, uh, shout out to Tunde uh, Odesanya. He's really like um, a savior for me. He's a, my producer, my producing partner. He helps me get all my projects. And uh, we actually have a distribution deal now mm. with Amazon Prime. Nice. Right. And so, but we didn't have that then. Mm -hmm. So we were struggling to find an avenue, take it to film festivals, get investors, things like that. Mm -hmm. And we finally got an investor out in Australia. We had two, one in Australia and then another in Vegas. And um, at the last second, they backed out. Ah. Like, literally a month before shooting. Damn. And it was just a heartbreak for everybody involved. And, you know, everybody, you know, I couldn't hold the cast, couldn't hold the crew. People had to move on to other projects. Right. And so it was very frustrating. And again, another rock bottom kind of moment. Mm -hmm. Big setback. And so what do I do? And so um, I decided, screw it. I'm going to move to L.A. Mm. This is 2015. Okay. And so I stayed out here for a summer. Um, I had actually opportunity to work with Riveting Entertainment, which is Chris Brown's yeah, music um, company. Andrew Listerman. Yeah. Shout out to Andrew. Yeah, shout out to Andrew. I know Andrew. Mm -hmm. I met him. Mm -hmm. And so I got to meet, um, I don't know if you know, um, Mike Ho. He's one of their big directors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's he's, you know, he's just uh, some uh, Jamie Foxx, I think. Yeah. And he works with a lot of reggaeton artists. Got it. Uh, Bad Bunny and guys like that. So mm -hmm. he's blown up as a director now. He's nominated for awards and stuff. So I got to shake his hand. I got to meet him. I got to tour the office. And so um, I was here for a summer. And then um, my business partner, Ray, and his wife, they have a clothing company. Mm -hmm. And um, they were like, we need some commercials for the clothing company. So yeah. I came back to New York to shoot those commercials for them. So that's what brought me back to New York. Yeah. So this is late 2015. And then, um, let me see. And then so 2016, 2017, um, I'm working on other scripts, helping them with commercials. And then 2017, I got the opportunity that kind of changed everything. Mm -hmm. So this guy named uh, Eddie out in New Jersey mm -hmm. uh, reached out to me through Craigslist, of all places, mm -hmm. you know, because the presidential election had just happened. Ah. And Trump got elected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he was like, he had a lot of things to say about that, but he didn't know anything about cameras or filmmaking. He was like, I need you to do a documentary for me about the election yeah, and how this guy got elected. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm a very political person, so I'm passionate about that topic anyway. Ah. So I was like, let's do it. Yeah, you know, yeah, he didn't yeah. have money to pay me. Right. Most people are like, yo, where's the money at? There's no bread. I'm not doing it. Yeah. I was like, this is an opportunity to work. Mm. And I want to, I'm interested in subject matter anyway. Right. And at that point, we, we had the distribution deal with Amazon. So mm. I could tell him we could put this somewhere. Got it. And so 
we started compiling uh, footage and I did so much research mm. and I started watching all the debates and I was just editing it down, editing it down. And at first it was a feature length and then we were like, okay, it probably worked better as a short film. Mm -hmm. So we could submit it to more people and Amazon was only looking for shorts at that time from unproven filmmakers. Right. Right. So we cut it down to 15 minutes, which was difficult, mm -hmm. like an hour and a half. So we cut it down to the main 15 minutes and it's called Trump for the people. Because mm. that's what he said, I'm Trump for the people. Yeah. Right. And so it's mainly about how did this re real estate guy, reality TV star, con America into thinking I'm better than all these other politicians. And it started with him saying, I'm rich. I'm an independent billionaire. I'm not going to take a lobbyist money. You can't trust anything these politicians say. They're in the lobbyist pockets, mm -hmm. which partially is a lot true. Mm -hmm. And that's how he was able to get the trust of the people. Right. And then that's how he was able to rob people up. And then all of a sudden, all the racist rhetoric starts, right? Mm -hmm. All the Mexican stuff, everything. And that starts rallying the base. Right. And then uh, all of a sudden, we got Hillary as the Democratic mm -hmm. ticket. And she's someone who's very divisive. A lot of people weren't vibing with her. Mm -hmm. So she didn't have... The support she needed right and ultimately he wins mm -hmm. and then we see the fallout and then it ends with him giving his inaugural speech basically saying god bless america mm. right and then i intercut that repeating with all the shootings all the horrible things that are happening and it's like it's it's, it's not very looking very blessed right now right right right, right? Mm -hmm. and so we finished that and we sent it to amazon like we love it mm. they put it on and it becomes one of their biggest hits Wow. And so this is the uh, end of 2017, early 2018. Mm -hmm. We go to the BFC Awards. It wins, you know, Best Documentary Short. All that. Congrats. And so I'm doing all these interviews, and it's finally starting to, you know, happen for me. And then all of a sudden, Jeff Bezos, who runs Amazon, mm -hmm. he's like, I don't want anything to do with Trump. <sighs> and so everything that has his name on it gets pulled. pulled. Yeah. All the documentaries, everything. People are hitting me up like, yo, Mike, I, I want to see the documentary. I, I, I'm subscribed to the streaming service. I'm on there. I don't see it. So mm -hmm. I'm looking. I don't see it. And so I hit up Tunde, my producing partner. I'm like, yo, what's going on? He's like, yo, man, they cracking down on everything with Trump. Wow. Jeff Bezos wilding out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like, what is going on? So it gets pulled. But it was a, a great experience. Mm -hmm. And it got me some exposure. Congrats, so, man. Thank you. Yeah. And so people were liking it. And it showed people that, you know, I can do something different. Because I never really saw myself as a documentary filmmaker. Yeah, but that was an interesting topic. So it's good that you chose to do a documentary on Trump being that, you know, it was a big thing. With if, if he even got elected, people were just like, whoa, what is this guy doing? He's coming from business to TV. I think he wants to be president. That whole, there's a documentary just on people's thought alone yeah. about that. So with that being said, on the topic of politics, you know, who you are... Uh, going for now you know do you want trump to continue reigning no, no, no. so are you going for your yeah, joe biden you going for that that female i forgot uh, honestly i'm a big uh yang gang guy okay. I, I don't know if you i don't know if you know about andrew yang but he's the asian guy mm -hmm. and he wants to give people a thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. universal basic income which alaska already does based mm -hmm. off their oil money that they have mm -hmm. and he wants to take the money from um value added tax but also the tech companies because mm -hmm. they're going to take over once the machines take over because if you look at the malls and retail service mcdonald's truck driving all those industries are going to go away it's going to be replaced by automation Right, right. They already doing it with trucks. the kiosks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Self-driving trucks, all this stuff. And the companies are like Amazon, <clears throat> Apple, they're already betting on it. They're already preparing the technology. They're the ones that are going to benefit. Mm -hmm. So he's going to tax them. And the same way we do with Alaska with the oil, that's where the money's going to come from. And he wants to give every American citizen who's 18 and above um, $1,000 a month. And that I, I like the sound of that. 
That does sound good, but do you honestly think, you know, Americans will back a non-American to be the president? Well, he's, he's American, he, but he's Asian. Yeah, well, and he's, well, that's what I mean. Yeah, you know and that saying? so far seems to be his biggest hurdle is the fact that he's Asian, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, and I think that, I'm not saying I pick him to win, but that's my favorite okay. as far as his policies. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as winning, um, I'm, I'm also looking at uh, Kamala Harris. Okay. She has a passion and a conviction. Is that, I know there's a white woman and a black woman. Yeah, the white woman's a, the white woman's Elizabeth Warren. Okay. Yeah, I like her too. Okay. I like Elizabeth yeah, Warren. Yeah, I like her too. Yeah, she's the, the older white lady. And then Kamala Harris is the black one. Yeah, well, yeah. she's mixed, but she's, she's, um, she's very woke on the issues. Yeah. She's very passionate when she speaks. She's, she's fiery. She she's, comes from a legal background. She's yeah, a prosecutor. Yeah, she just grilled somebody. There was like a, they were in front of the Senate, and I forgot... There was some guy there that they just had, and you know how when the Senate sits yeah. around, they just grill you out. Yeah. Like, it was some guy, it was some fat white guy with glasses. <laughs> they all probably look like that. Yeah, right? yeah. But yeah, she, uh, she grilled the hell out of him. But she I, I, I like the way she handled herself, you yeah, know what I'm saying? Man. Definitely, like, she had a, a sack under there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my dream ticket would be her and Yang. Okay. Harris Yang, yeah. Okay, that's what's up. So tell me, so up to this point, you know, I'm sure there's more to go beyond that point, but I wanted to ask some questions, you know, because you kind of just took over yeah, the whole yeah, yeah. stuff. Yeah, 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 you said good. story. So. No, but that's good because, yeah. you know what I'm saying, like, you gave the story in, in a lot of detail in between, which covered a lot of questions I would have asked okay. in between, yeah, yeah. you know, but tell me, what, from that point, you know, up to them pulling the Donald Trump and, and before that, yeah. what have you learned from that journey? Never give up. You know, I always tell people, you know, this, it's like when you, when you try to drown someone, right? Mm-hmm. We have to breathe. Yeah. We need oxygen, right? If you didn't need oxygen, you would just give up because it's difficult to stay above water, mm-hmm. but you have to breathe. So you're going to fight, you're going to fight, you're going to fight. If you don't love this, mm-hmm. if filmmaking or singing, whatever your passion is, if it's not your passion, if it's not your life's blood, if you're not going to commit suicide, if you don't make it, mm-hmm. then you need to pick another business because mm-hmm. this industry is going to kick your ass multiple times right right there's a, a 700 doors in a building you got to be prepared to knock on every single door until your knuckles bleed mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying if you give up at the 10th door you don't want it bad enough right you know what i'm saying and i also tell people obsession beats hard work every time right and if, if people ask me what's one word one word to describe yourself i would say obsessive because mm-hmm. when i want something i go after it 200 percent. got it and i always tell people you know there are people in this industry who give 200 percent and they'll make it what makes you think yeah. what makes you think you can get 50 percent and I know a lot of people who give 50% think they're going to make it. Right. And I'm like, you're not going anywhere, bro. Right. You know what I'm saying? It's just this honest truth, man. But people got to realize that you're either 100% in or it's nothing. Exactly. You know, you get out what you put in. So if you're doing the half-ass, what you expect. Exactly. You know, can't expect to win. I hear that, man. So um, so continue, man. So they pulled, they pulled the Amazon. Now you're like, oh, my God, what the F? And, you know, where... where that was 2017? Yeah. Okay. 2018. 2018. Last year. Okay. Last year. Okay. Yeah. Last year. So from then to this point, you know, what, what took place then? Uh, well, a um, couple things. Um, I kind of got, not sidetracked, but I developed a new passion that I didn't realize I had. Which was? Which was fashion. Mm, yeah. Interesting. And so okay. going back so to... So what I, Okay. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to um, Ray Gracie, okay. who I met. Back in, just going back to 2013 now, mm-hmm. just directing music videos. Mm-hmm. I met an artist. I met a girl on Facebook. She was like, I need you to do two videos for me. Mm-hmm. And then I met up with her. And she was like, you need to meet the producer of the song. And the guy who wrote the song because he has a vision for the video. And he raps the last verse, so he's going to be in it anyway. Yeah. So meet up with him. So that's how I met him. Right. So Ray Gracie is a um, former boxer, bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. And he's also a uh, Grammy-winning songwriter and producer. He's worked with Drake. He's worked with Alicia Keys, yeah. Florence and the Machine. 
uh, everybody. Uh -huh. And he has houses and studios <clears throat> everywhere. Uh -huh. But he's also involved in fashion, uh -huh. uh, mainly through his wife, who has a, her own fashion company. And she helps uh, celebrities start their own clothing lines. So they're mm. working with Ellen Generous. They're working with Samuel L. Jackson. They're working with a bunch of people. And so I met up with him through that video. Me and him just became friends throughout the years. Mm -hmm. And like I said, I, after things didn't work out with Riveting, I came back to New York to direct commercials for some of their other companies. Mm -hmm. And then when his wife was starting this company, um, originally called the Fashionados, now it's called Purple, um, they were like, do you have any ideas? And so I started thinking, this was after the Trump thing got pulled and I'm mm -hmm. trying to find different avenues. And I was like, you know, I don't know if fashion's really my world. But the more I started to think about it, I was like, I could really do something with this. Yeah. Because, you know... I've worked with models, and who doesn't love working with models, right. right? And I do love clothes. You know, I'm a big Zodiac person. I don't know about you. What's mm -hmm. your sign? Leo. Leo. Okay, mm -hmm. I'm a Taurus. There you go. Yeah, and Tauruses, we love, um, you know, beautiful things and beautiful people, and we're, mm -hmm. we're very sensual people, and we love fashion. Mm -hmm. We love clothes. We love to look nice, nice cars. I'm obsessed with cars. I'm a big car guy. There you go. And so, um, it's, it, I guess it's in my blood. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they were like, do you have any ideas for a clothing line? And the more I thought about it, I was like, okay. I'm going to do a clothing line for women, mm -hmm. right? We're going to focus on two things. We're going to focus on lingerie, mm -hmm. and we're going to focus on fitness, because mm -hmm. that's big on IG, you know? Everyone's yeah. lifting weights and yoga pants yeah. and stuff. And I came up with a really cool idea for fitness clothes and for yoga pants specifically that I was shocked no one else has ever come up with. I'm mm -hmm. not going to reveal it on camera, because I think it's a million-dollar idea, but we're developing it now in China. We have some factories out there. We have some investors lined up out there, mm -hmm. and we're testing out the technology now. And if it's successful, we could keep it. We could maybe sell it to Lululemon or something, mm -hmm. but the bottom line is I'm passionate about fashion and clothes and that industry. I love that world. And you see someone like Tom Ford, mm -hmm. who's obviously a legend in the fashion world, but he's yeah. also a filmmaker, director mm -hmm. of two feature films. And so I kind of looked at him as a as a model, like if he could do it, why can't Michael Ray do it? Right. You know what I mean? And so he's kind of like an inspiration in that sense to mix fashion with the film, even though I think I'm going to be the opposite of him. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be more known for film yeah. and then dabble in the fashion, mm -hmm. kind of like what Kanye was trying to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so we came up with the, we have the, the, the name, we have the idea, and we're developing the technology now. And as you were talking about before off camera about financing projects, mm -hmm. if it's successful, I could use that money to finance the films I want to make. There you go. I have a lot of films that I want to make that aren't going to be the type of film that studios easily want to fund. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, darker stories or just, you know, stories that aren't, you know, the typical they comic book. appeal movie. to the masses, so to exactly. speak. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But if you have the money already, all you need is the distribution angle. Like I said, you have Netflix now. Mm -hmm. You have the distribution deal with Amazon. And so I'm going to try. So we're, that's what happened in 2018, 2019. I started focusing on that, the mm -hmm. fashion. And then that's going now. And then I wrote another feature film called Tough Enough, mm -hmm. which is a movie about an a actress who gets attacked by a stalker and decides to become a UFC fighter. Actually, she falls in love with self-defense and kickboxing right, right. and stuff. Uh -huh. And so we're trying to work on the financing for that now. That sounds interesting. Yeah, and that's going to be my, hopefully my next film. Mm. Well, congrats on that, man. I hope that works out for you. Anything I could do to help with that that new project, let me know, man. If yeah. you need an actor or whatever, I could play the stalker. I, don't play. <laughs> I get a weird bitch. You know, something like that. You know, but that, that's, a, that's cool, man. No, I'm glad you're taking the entrepreneurial steps, you know, because even when I came out here, it broadened my horizon just... To fall into things that I never even thought I was going to get into. Like I told you, I came out here to do music, started acting, opened up a podcast, started mm -hmm. hosting a music video show, yeah. you know, got into finance, you know what I'm saying? I got a GD, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I didn't expect to do any of that, but that's good, yeah. LA has a tendency to, you know, broaden your horizon, yeah. so to speak. You know what I'm saying? So, do you, so tell me, what do you see yourself in the next five years? Next five years. Um, well, it's always important to have a five-year plan. Mm -hmm. um, well, in the next five years, I want to get repped. 
um, by a commercial production company. Mm -hmm. That's the main reason why I came out here to LA. Mm -hmm. I have some connections out here. Shout out to Jordan Brady, one of the top TV commercial directors out there. He's been serving as like a mentor for me yeah. for the past six months or so. And I'm trying to get repped by a, a big time commercial production company so I can direct big time commercials, car commercials, all that stuff. And then use that um, in between my feature films. Mm. Like I said before, um, you know, I started off as a PA, mm. you know, and I've been obsessed with this world ever since really since I was a kid. Right. You know, growing up watching football on Sundays and you see all the car commercials and it's a really an art form mm. to tell a story in 30 seconds and sell a product right. without making it obvious you're trying to sell a product. Right. And a lot of my favorite filmmakers, like I said, Bay, Ridley and Tony Scott, Fincher, Zack Snyder, they all start off in commercials. And, you know, I want to kind of model myself after them. And not only is that my goal to direct commercials, but to make Tough Enough, mm -hmm. make my next film after that, because I have a bunch of films. On well, like, I, have, I have a, a horror film called As Far As I Can See mm -hmm. that I want to make. I have a Western called Rest in Pieces mm -hmm. that I want to make. I have a couple sci-fi joints, one that's kind of in like Interstellar yeah. called Infinity and Beyond. Mm -hmm. You know, another one called Objective Amnesia. Yeah. It's kind of like um, 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 Blade Runner, kind of, okay. or um, Minority Report with Tom Cruise. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, I see that. And a bunch of other ones. Um, and I want to make those films, but you got to go to the film festival route. You got to get discovered and then doing commercials in the meantime to make money and also mm -hmm. help finance those films. Hopefully the clothing line will pop off mm -hmm. and that can also help finance things. And, um, in general, as you know, African-American filmmaker, mm -hmm. I kind of want to change the, the narrative as to what types of films we're expected to make. Mm -hmm. You know, you see a lot of directors out there. Typecasting, making the hood the movie, the making the corrupt cop movie, mm -hmm. making the slavery movie, the civil rights movie, and those are important stories to tell. But we can tell other types of stories. And I didn't grow up in the hood, as I told you, mm -hmm. so that's not even my personal experience. Right, that's not my story. I have other stories that I can tell right. that are personal, just that I see in the world. And so I kind of want to change what black directors are known for. And, and with this recent movement happening in Hollywood right now, with more black directors, more female directors, just more directors of diversity in general. We're seeing different types of stories, and I think that's really important. I just want to change the narrative, and I want to also change the way movies are shot. Mm. You know, I have a very unique visual style. Mm. You know, I, if you ever seen Tony Scott's Domino, which is like my favorite movie of all time, uh, a lot of my style comes from that movie. Okay. And also, um, there's a Hype Williams video for Kanye and Chris Martin called Homecoming. Mm. Uh, I borrow a lot of style from that as well. Mm. I'm also a big fan of Nicholas Reffin. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I mentioned, Tom Ford, mm -hmm. uh, Denis Villeneuve, mm -hmm. David Fincher. Mm -hmm. So I kind of take what little piece, bits and pieces from all my favorite directors, Ridley Scott, Michael Bay, and I just kind of compile it all into what the Michael Ray style is. And go. people see my work and you know instantly it's, it's a Michael Ray film. And that's what I want. I want people to know, watching one scene, yeah. you know who directed it. Because that's what my favorite directors do. Mm -hmm. You watch one scene and you know who, who directed it. Okay. And I want to have a very distinct visual style that people know and mm. remember, you know. And I'm like I said before about sports. I'm very competitive. Right. You know, I want to win at everything that I do, and I want to be the best at everything that mm -hmm. I do. And you know, my favorite athletes are Peyton Manning and Kobe Bryant. Mm -hmm. You know, and they're known for their obsessive work ethic, right. how hard they push themselves, mm -hmm. how they treat their body, how hard they prepare. And for me, it's kind of similar. So for me, anything. Where they give a trophy at the end of the year saying who the best is, mm. to me that's a sport. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Whether it's the NBA for Larry O'Brien Trophy, hockey, Stanley Cup, Super Bowl trophy, you know mm. what I'm saying. Lombardi, Hollywood has the Oscars. Right. And so, and we still haven't had a black director win best director yet, which mm. is crazy. 
you know, how long has Hollywood been around? So it'd be nice to be the first to win that. Yeah. And not only that, but just winning multiple Oscars and to, to be seen as one of the best to ever do it. Mm. I think there's no shame in saying that's one of my goals. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, everybody got to have a dream. And you're right, man. I, I, I thought uh, Spike Lee won. He won for a screenplay ah. for Black Klansman. Yes, 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 yes. Because I seen that, I was like, it was big. Yeah. Everybody was praising him. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's true. Like, he was one. Of, he was one of the three writers. Mm. He, that was his first win, other than the honorary one they gave him a couple years ago for like his career. But that was like, his first actual win. It was about time. What actor would you want to work with in regards, like, in in your film, like in your film, your baby, like? What is your dream actor you want to play the lead in your film? <laughs> I mean, there's obviously so many different actors you could pick, but to me, top five. Oh, top five. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, for me, Shia LaBeouf. Okay. I'm a big, big, big Shia LaBeouf fan. I mean, I've always been a fan, but when I saw him in Fury, the David Ayer tank film with mm -hmm. uh, Brad Pitt, mm -hmm. where he literally, he actually had someone, like a dentist, pull out one of his front bottom teeth because he wanted the character to have missing teeth. He really took out the tooth. Right. And he eventually had it replaced. He cut his own face. Like, he went super method. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like a chameleon. And he has a new money, movie coming out where he plays his own father called Honey Boy. Mm. Totally transformed. So Shia LaBeouf was one. He's actually a good rapper too. Yeah, he's an amazing Surprising. rapper. Yeah, yeah. He's, a, he's a hip hop head. Yeah, yeah he can spit. Mm -hmm. And so Shia, um, Denzel obviously, mm -hmm. you know, he's like the legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Tilda Swinton. I don't know if you know about Tilda Swinton. She's she's like a female Gary Oldman. She she plays men. She's a chameleon. She she, she does accents. Yeah. She was in Snowpiercer. She's been in all kinds of movies. Mm -hmm. I gotta see her face. Yeah, yeah. She's you probably wouldn't recognize her if you saw her face because mm. in movies she doesn't look like herself. Ah. So she's an absolute chameleon. I love Tilda Swinton. Um, Shailene Woodley. Okay. She's really, really good. Um, she's in the Divergent movies, but when she does her like her indie films, like she really, really uh, dives in. She was in that Oliver Stone one um, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Snowden about that. Yeah, 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 I like that. So, yeah, yeah, and, um, and he's another favorite of mine, Oliver. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, those those uh, actors, Sean Penn. Yeah. You know when I told you about. The breakup I had in college mm -hmm. and how I had to refine, you know, figure out who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And I decided to go to acting school mm -hmm. and I decided I was going to be the next Ben Affleck and become an actor turned director. Yeah. I just started buying all these DVDs I could of every Sean Penn movie and every Gary Oldman movie. Because mm -hmm. growing up, like I told you, it was GoldenEye, it was Terminator, it was mm -hmm. Matrix, it was mm -hmm. Star Wars. Mm -hmm. was like a bo every boy, you went to action, yeah, adventure, yeah. Indiana yeah, yeah. Jones. But then as I got older, I was like, okay, let me start watching more dramas. And start watching how actors really craft a performance. Mm. And so I started renting and buying every Gary Oldman movie I could find, every Sean Penn movie I could find. Mm. And then I found out they did a movie together called State of Grace. Yeah. And I was like, yo, this is like my prized possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I watched that every day. And so so Sean Penn, Gary Oldman's another one. Mm -hmm. Viola Davis, she's mm. powerful. Yes, the queen. Yes. Um, so many. I mean, no, definitely. No, that's a, that's a good list right there. No, actually, it's crazy because um, I utilize that same formula as well. So I watch a lot of TV, but I don't just watch TV to watch TV. Like I use it to study my craft. Like yes. I'm looking at the timing between cuts and edits. You know, I'm looking at the color correction. I'm yes. looking at the way the script was written, how the actors are delivering the lines. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, and even if it's like a small, a small line, you know, how big can the actor deliver? Because there's no such thing as small roles, right. small actors, right. you know what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, I watch it for all those reasons, you know, so when you mentioned that, you kind of, 
you know, you got that film and you was like studying your craft, you know, I felt that because I do that to this day. Yeah. You know, I'm always looking for the next new series and, you know, since series are big, I'm because I, I write uh, screenplays as well, but I want to get into the habit of, like I have a feature film, like my baby I've been working on, you okay. know, but I want, I started it as a feature film, but I want to put it into a, a series format, okay. you know what I'm saying? So I'm watching a lot of series just to see like the timing and how many pages would be to accumulate one episode for a, a series, right. you know, and stuff like that. So, yeah, man, I utilize those those uh, resources as like a study guide, yes. so to speak, instead of just watching it for no purpose, right. you know what yeah. I'm saying? So I'm glad you did that. You do that as well. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I, when I watch a film, I'm always analyzing the angles, the cinematography, the lighting. Oh, mm -hmm. who shot this? Who was the DP? Mm -hmm. I like the way. Oh, the music was was loud here, then it quacks down mm -hmm. here. You look at the, the the different cuts. Okay, you're cutting on the actor when they're talking, or just when they're not talking, just get the reaction shot. Mm -hmm. Like there's a science to it, you know. Like when I ask someone, so what do you think of the movie? They're like, oh, it's cool. I'm like, okay, that's not a movie person. Yeah, yeah, no, I, no, 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 then no. there's other people who are like, oh, what do you think of the movie? And like, oh, well, you know, I thought the humor didn't really work. Third act was really good. First part was a little slow. I thought the visual effects in that scene was a little wonky. Yeah. You know, and then they're breaking it down. And I'm like, oh, that line seemed a little false. But this actor's performance, they were really good. They might get nominated. That's the person who's analyzing film. Mm -hmm. Those are the types of conversations I like. Man. Same, same here, man. Um, what's the latest movie you saw? Latest movie I saw... Uh, probably, I haven't been watching that movie since I got out here, so it'll be the, the flight out here, when mm -hmm. I moved out here on August 19th. Not even to the theater or nothing? Um, the last time I went to the theater, man, it's been a minute. Um, let me see, 2019, I didn't think I've been to the movie in 2019. 2018, um, I, I'd say the last movie I saw was on the plane was, um, was Us. Jordan, Us. Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele, what do you think about his directing? He's a genius, man. Mm -hmm. He's like, to me, he's like a mixture of like, Spike Lee and M. Night Shyamalan. Like, mm -hmm. you have the race issues, but then you have the horror, you have the plot twists. Mm -hmm. And he's like a genius the way he puts his plots together and you have to follow the breadcrumbs to the end and then you got to watch it again to yeah. see if you missed the clues. Like, I loved Get Out, I loved Us, and I love what both those films have to say. Mm -hmm. And he's a new voice in cinema, and I think Jordan Peele, he's, he's brilliant. Definitely, I agree. I agree as well, man. Now, I, honestly, I go to movies every time something new drops. Like, I saw The Hobbs and Shaw, which was great. You got to check that out. Okay. Ready or not was very interesting like that it's kind of horror but suspenseful okay. you know so it, it, it's an interesting film um that angel has fallen you know that's that, that's always great yeah you know yeah, yeah. Gerard Butler, yeah 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 i saw yeah. i saw the first one olympus mm -hmm. has fallen which antoine fuqua mm -hmm. i didn't see london has fallen i didn't mm -hmm. see that one but i heard angel fallen was really good yeah, it was really good like yeah. the actions you know it was, your action yeah yeah, yeah, you know, yeah i love it yeah man so i think uh you know you definitely should check out those films that's in the theater i mean it just kind of helps you you know Again, you know, with the with the knowledge that you can obtain right. from a film, you know, right. especially the new one that the that, that the box office hits. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just a recent, I just looked at um, Hobbs and Shaw grows seven hundred million so yeah. far. You know, they doing something right. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I probably watched as far as like a show was uh, the director I mentioned before, Nicholas Reffin. He mm -hmm. did Drive with Ryan Gosling. Mm -hmm. So he had a show recently with Miles Teller called uh, Too Old to Die Young, mm -hmm. and that was on Amazon Prime, mm -hmm. and that was amazing. Yeah. That was kind of like No Country for Old Men kind of vibe. It was a slow burn, murder mystery, cop thriller mm -hmm. out in the desert. But the way he shoots his movies and his, his, his TV shows is just next level. The colors, the, the, the what's out of focus, what's in focus. That was like, you know, like when I see a visionary, then that's when I go yeah. and, and pay attention. And as far as what I'm looking forward to, 
um, Bad Boys for Life. Mm. You know, Michael Bay's not directing this one. Yeah. I saw the trailer. I loved it. That's like mm. my favorite franchise, so I can't wait for that in yeah. January. Uh, Star Wars, Rise of Skywalker. Mm. Big Star Wars guy. That comes out in December. Um, Six Underground, mm. the new Michael Bay movie for mm. Netflix with mm. uh, Ryan Reynolds and the same writers as Deadpool. Yeah. Looking forward to that. Um, and then as far as like, you know, highbrow stuff, gotta love Chris Nolan, gotta love the Evil News. So, mm. Tenet, Chris Nolan's new movie. And then Dune, they're remaking Dune. The mm. Evil News directing that. That's coming out, I think, um, next November. What do you think of Martin Scorsese? He's a legend. He's one of the best. Yeah, because you didn't mention that one time. No, he's, he's great. Yeah. I mean, he's great. I mean, he's, you know, got the Irishman coming out. They're doing mm. the de-aging technology. You know, I wouldn't say he's one of my favorites as far as, like, the subject matter he chooses. Okay. But I like his visual style. Mm -hmm. You know, to me, it always comes back to the, the visuals catch my eye. He's one of those guys who's always, even at his age, he's always pushing the technology. You know, all these guys like Tarantino and P.T. Anderson and, and Nolan are like, oh, film, 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 film. Mm -hmm. Scorsese was like, no, I'll, I'll do a digital camera. I'll shoot yeah. Hugo on digital. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll work with digital. You know, you got guys like Ridley switching to digital when he did Prometheus or Michael Bay switching to digital when he did Transformers 3. Mm -hmm. You know, and Fincher and, of course, Michael Mann were some of the first to pioneer digital mm -hmm. with, with Heat and, and Zodiac and, and Insider and things like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so for me, you know, I, you know, digital is the way to go. Yeah. You know, you can shoot more takes and the, the colors are really just getting as vibrant and as crisp as film is. But film is beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. You know, and you mentioned actors I want to work with. Mm -hmm. For me, since I'm such a visual person, I think about cinematographers I want to work with. Mm -hmm. That's what gets me up in the morning. Okay. You know, when I think about Anthony Dodd-Mantle, mm -hmm. he's probably my number one. He works with Danny Boyle a lot. Mm -hmm. um, he also shot uh, Rush and In the Heart of the Sea with Ron Howard. Okay. Uh, I just love his style. Dan Mindell, mm -hmm. who used to work with Tony Scott a lot, uh, works with J.J. Abrams a lot, mm -hmm. did Mission Officer 3, he's doing the Star Wars films with him now. Mm -hmm. um, Roger Deakins, of course, Blade mm -hmm. Runner and things like that. He's a legend. Finally won his Oscar for that mm -hmm. a couple years ago. Uh, Claudio Miranda, mm -hmm. works with Joe Kaczynski a lot. Worked mm -hmm. with Fincher on um, Benjamin Button. Yeah. Uh, I want to work with him. I actually had a conversation with him on Facebook once. Really nice, nice. guy. Uh, so I want to work with Claudio. He's about to do the new Top Gun. Um, so many cinematographers. Adam Arkapaw. You know, they're my favorite person to talk to on right. set because I'm such a camera nerd. I want to learn about the filters and the lenses right, and, right. and the lighting and all that stuff. So to me, I'm just hanging out with the DP all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, yeah, I, I have another question for you. It just slipped my mind. What was that? Um, give me one second. Ah, shit, damn. <laughs> oh, that, it was regarding what you were saying about the film. Um... Oh, I'm sorry, no, about your time in L.A. So now that you're in L.A., yes. you know, you, you have all this history, you had your ups and downs in the film industry, but you learned a lot through, you know, watching other people's work and working with other people. What is the grind like for you now? You know, like, are you getting jobs back to back or is it a struggle for you to where you got to do other things to maintain while this pops off? Like, how are you maintaining that aspect of your grind? Um, well, like I said, um, I'm trying to balance feature film with commercials. Mm -hmm. So obviously, as we know, getting a film finance is a lot of work. Right. So that's um, a, pro a work in progress, mm -hmm. right? Commercials, I try to do one every other month. Mm -hmm. So I've got something coming up with uh, Toyota soon. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, um, congrats on that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'm working on that. I just did something with Mercury Insurance. Mm -hmm. And so... That sort of like keeps the bills paid. And then in between that, I do photography. Okay. So I'm uh, working with models and shooting with them. And that's just, you know, a little money here and there and just mm -hmm. experience. And then we're going to use some of that towards the clothing line, mm -hmm. which also keeps me busy drawing and sketches and 
giving them ideas back and forth and things like that. And we did receive some, you know, a little bit of investment money for that. Mm-hmm. So that also helps as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what pretty much what I wanted to get to because everybody I speak with, a lot of them got a lot of dreams, aspirations, and goals, you know, but when it's just, you know, a work in progress and it's like how you maintain it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't be out here starving. I mean, there's people that, you know, made it from living out their car. I mean, look at Stallone. He wrote yeah. Rocky in his car, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And look at him now, you yeah. know? So that's why I was asking, like, yeah, like, how are you basically making, how are you earning from this? Right. How are you generating yeah. revenue? But it sounds like, you know, you're diversifying your bonds yeah. and staying active. So that's good, man. Well, that's, something, that's something I noticed about LA since I've been out here. Because, you know, I mean, I have some people out here that I already knew that I consider friends and I hang out with and stuff. Mm. Um but to make new friends out here, I found, I don't know if you found this, it can be tough Absolutely. because everyone is just so busy. Yeah. You know, everyone has their nine to five job, you mm-hmm. know, if you got to pay the bills mm-hmm. and then you got your hustle, mm-hmm. right? You got rappers trying to record songs. You got, you know, actresses auditioning for things. You know, everybody has their, their hustle. And then it's like, if you're not helping me make money or you're not helping me in my industry, I don't got time for you. That's a fact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, and if they don't do that, they're sleeping. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So it's, it's kind of hard to kind of like, you know, you have to kind of prove yourself to certain people like, no, 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 I'm not just trying to kick it. I'm also, I know somebody who can help you, right. you know, and you feel like you're being, you know, valued for what you can offer instead of your actual friendship. Mm-hmm. And that's something I've kind of had to adjust to. It's not like that in New York. Obviously, people have their hustle and their grind in New York, mm-hmm. but people also make the time to just chill with their friends. But yeah. I think once people make the decision to move out here, they're like, I got to make it. Coming to LA is is gotta be a business yeah, decision. There's no time unless you play. made it exactly. somewhere else, you know. Yeah. But coming here is a business decision, man, because LA can chew you up and speak mm-hmm. you out if you can't afford to be here. Yep. That's just facts, man. But um, you know, let the people know where they can hire you for your film work or even submit scripts to you or you know, just work with you in general. Oh, um, you can uh hire me on social media. Um I'm on Instagram, um at a Michael Ray Film. And I'm on Twitter at Michael Ray Films. There it is, man. Well, Michael Ray, I want to thank you for coming on, man. I'm glad we finally got this going. And um, I wish you much success. You know, you sound very driven. Sounds like you did extreme amount of homework throughout the years, <laughs> you know, with honing in on your craft and learning from the greats and making that uh, everything you've done from them your own. And, you know, you're destined for greatness, my brother. And I thank wish you. you much success. And I look forward to working with you in the near future, man. Thank you, man. This has been another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas, the Michael Ray. Get a load of him right now, man. Is he looking at a living legend coming to fruition, man? He's going to get a star in the Walk of Fame. I said it first. Stay tuned for more episodes to come. Thank you for watching. And we out.